appreciate it. We have been in a season called Rhythm. Say Rhythms. You know, God is a God of rhythm. You woke up this morning because he has a rhythm of bringing the sun up. He has a rhythm of the whole earth. You look at the ocean, you notice rhythm. God is a God of rhythm. If you put your, if your fingers on your hands right now, your pulse, you will feel a rhythm. This built-in battery, we call it a heart and a pulse. There is a rhythm. How many of you know that God wants us to live in a rhythm with him? God wants us to live in relationship with him, a rhythm with God. And so we've been looking at Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30 in the message. Let's, let's read it. Are you tired? And every mom with young kids in here say, amen. Worn out, burned out on religion, come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. We're going to look at that, underline that word, work with me, work with me. Highlight it, put a star by it. It says, watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. How many of you want to learn to live freely and lightly? You know, Christianity is not a heavy thing. Religion makes it heavy. But when we have a rhythm with God, we, there is, we live lightly. We live freely. And the first day, we talked about how we walk. The first part of the series, we talked about how you walk with God. This is like praying to God. This is talking to God as God talked, as, as we talk to a friend. God is there with us. We also talked about watching him, which is his word. We speak to God. That's us talking to God. Praying is talking to God. But when we read our word, it's him talking to us. How many of you know it's not much of a relationship if you have a friend and they're the only ones talking? Come on, somebody just thought of somebody just then. You're the only one talking but how many of you know a real relationship, it goes back and forth. It's not just talking but it's also listening, and that is what a relationship is. So when we pray, it is us talking to God, and when we read his word, it is God speaking to us. And so a lot of times you will find it very common that people are very used to praying. People are very used to like saying, God help me in this, or God, I'm having a hard time. But it is uncommon for people to actually take the time to listen for God for their life and say, God, what are you saying? How many of you want to be a friend of God? That you don't want to just have a one-way relationship. You want to have a two-way relationship. And when we focus on his word and who he is and what he's saying, God will begin to cause us to operate in faith. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. If you want to increase your faith, hang out with Jesus and hear what he has to say. If you want to increase your faith, hang out with Jesus and hear what he has to say. How many of you know this needs to be a rhythm in our life? Not just Sundays to get a spiritual adrenaline in our arm and keep us throughout the week. God wants us to have a rhythm with him every day where we spend time with him and hear him increase our faith. What is God speaking to you? What is God talking to you about? 
What the enemy wants to do is for us to work overtime and be distracted where we don't actually draw from the very source of our life. How many of you know the main source of our life is Jesus? It's salvation. It's called sozo and zoe. It's the literal breath of God. And listen, you might be able to survive a little bit of time without food, right? You might be able to survive a little bit of time without water, but you can't survive very long without breath. And the Bible says that our, we have spiritual food, we have spiritual water, but we also have the breath of God, which is the, um, it is, the word of God is called God, it's God breathed. How many of you know that we need to take in what God is saying to us? And we have, we need a relationship with him. A lot of things that you are believing for is predicated on just a rhythm with God. It shouldn't be a, a, uh, a ob- like you feel obligated. I don't feel obligated to eat food. Anybody else in here? I don't feel like I have to. I feel like I get hungry. You shouldn't feel guilty about not reading your word. You should just get hungry as Christians. Be like, I need his word. It nourishes me. It feeds me. And there is a secondary consequence when you begin to love God, you begin to spend time with God, God's heart begins to rub off on you. You know, when Jesus was here in the flesh, don't you think it's awesome that he actually spread physical healing? He spread joy. He spread peace. It's the opposite of what we have today. We see a lot of disease spreading. We see a lot of hate spreading. We see a lot of division spreading. But when you get around Jesus, you start to get, you start to actually um, get infected with who he is. So when we have this rhythm with God, we actually get into a place where we take on his heart. And did you know that God's main heart, if you're actually going to work with God, his heart has to do with people. See, we don't work for God, we work with God. Isn't that awesome? God is saying, I want to work with you. So where I go, I want you to follow me. I believe that God is bringing us into a season where we learn how to follow God. Not just come to church, church is good. We need you here. We come together, we get refreshed, God God cleanses us, but what's really important is that you get equipped on having a relationship with God for yourself. Look at your neighbor and say, for yourself, so that you can begin to grow into God. It's called the maturity of Christians. I want to read this portion of scripture because it has to do with working with God. John 12, 24 through 26. Are y'all okay today? John 12, 24 through 26, let me make this clear. A single grain of wheat will never be more than a single grain of wheat unless it drops into the ground and dies. Because then it sprouts and produces a great harvest, say great harvest, of wheat. And because of one grain died, the person who loves his life and pampers himself will miss true life. But the one who detaches his life from the world and abandons himself to me will find true life and enjoy it forever. If you want to be my disciple, follow me. Follow me. 
follow me and you will go where I'm going. And if you truly follow me as my disciples, the Father will shower his favor upon your life. How many of you need favor on your life? Favor is better than money. Favor is better than your network. Favor is God looking down on you. Unmerited favor. How many of you want favor? God says, if you really want favor, learn to work with me. And he says, he says there is, a, there is a, uh, a thing I want to produce in you, which is fruitfulness. I want to see myself in you. When you have kids, one of the greatest things is to see your good attributes in him. It's another story when you see your bad attributes in them. But you want to see the good attributes. God wants us in our life to be fruitful. So he sees himself in you because he lives in you. How many of you believe that? So when, when we realize this, see, the truth is this. You know, we actually made this video a little earlier with a selfie stick. Let me see. That, do we have a selfie stick right here? You know, we're, we're living in a, uh, uh, for several years now, a selfie generation. And uh, if you look at one of the most hashtag things on Instagram or whatever, it's selfie. It's, uh, it's about us. It's uh, what's convenient to us. And studies have shown that the more people focus on themselves, they begin to compare themselves with other people, and it actually produces depression in their life. The depression today in this new generation is at an all-time high, and it's not because of all the chaos that's going around. That's part of it. But it's because they are influenced to focus on their self and not others. When you're focused on yourself, you're living a selfie life, you will find depression enter your soul because we were not formed to just focus on ourselves. We were formed to be focused on God and others. Now, when we do that, the Bible says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all things are added. God is not wanting to take anything from you. He's wanting to give something to you. So when you focus on God and others, you're saying, well, I'm going to be left out. No, actually, you will begin to love yourself because you will have a relationship with God. And the Bible says, if you want to sum all of this up, if you want to sum up all of the Bible... Love God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. When you start loving God, God will show you who you are. You'll start loving yourself so much that you can't help but love your neighbor. But what we do is we skip the God part. We focus on ourselves, and we want Jesus to be this uh, spiritual Santa Claus for us. But how many of you know that, and, and this isn't popular speech, but how many of you know that sometimes it creates uh, Christianity, it's a death to what we want at, in our flesh, and we pick up what God wants, and he ultimately gives us the dream for our life. If you want God to give you your dream, then live for his dream. If you want God to live for your dream, live for his dream. I've seen people reach their goals by themselves and reach their dream without God. And they got in the corner office. They got the relationship they wanted. They got where they wanted to go. And at the end of it, it is empty. It is lonely. It is scary because they got there without God. But those that get their dreams with working with God has a fulfilled life 
It's not about the riches they have. They are rich in their soul. How many of you want to be rich in your soul? I'm here to tell you, you can gain the whole world and still lose your very life. You know, we watched a documentary recently of this famous singer on the top of the world, literally, literally lost his mind. Literally lost his mind. You know, when we want to become our own God, <laughs> it is, we, we suffer the consequences of that. There was a king called Nebuchadnezzar. He, he wanted everybody to worship him. The dude literally lost his mind. He started barking like a dog, growing his neck. He lost his mind. How many of you know your mind's important? And if we want a grace, a rhythm in our life, the grace and the source of life to be fulfilled is to have a relationship with him. I believe in counseling. I believe going to get counseling. But let me warn you, make sure the counselor that you're going to actually has a rhythm with God, actually has the fruit of God in their life, that they have the principles of God's word in their life because I'm telling you that God will begin to use counselors and different people in your life to bring healing to you, but don't take information and think you're going to get a source from life when somebody has left God out of their life. It's very important. If, 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 you're, if your counselor is saying, well, you know what, you probably shouldn't go to church if you really, it doesn't make you feel good. You probably don't really need to feel it. Then you got to know that this is probably not steering you in the right direction. How many of you know that the word of God trumps every word? That his word trumps every word, even if it doesn't make you feel good or not. That's why God's word, it's like a sword. It will take the wrong things in your life and cut it out and put the wrong things. Sometimes that doesn't feel good. Come on, somebody. Sometimes those that love you, that tell you the truth, that they really love you, they'll tell you the truth, and sometimes it doesn't feel good. Some of you, you just need a friend that tells you, you don't look good in that outfit. <laughs> Does this look good? Nope, doesn't. <laughs> just love you. Hey, you got a booger right there. You know what I mean? Hey, uh, <laughs> if I was walking around with my zipper down all day and y'all didn't tell me you're not my friends, you know what I mean? It, a, a true friendship, a true love tells you truth but see we live in a culture where we want to find our own truth and if you go after your own truth you it will make you feel good temporarily but you will be empty on the other side of it the only truth God is the way the truth and the life and when you have his word move you that's when you will be truly fulfilled do you love that man I'm preaching better than you're shouting but I'm just gonna keep going I'm I'm getting excited for myself how many of you in here, you honestly, you like, to, you like to fish? You like to fish. Two of you. I'm going to pray for all of you. Anybody like to fish in here? Anybody? Everybody's like shy today. Uh, yeah, like everybody that I talk to that really doesn't like to fish hasn't really caught a lot of fish. <laughs> like, do you like fishing? No, I really don't. It's really a, like a waste of my time. I'm like, have you ever caught a lot of fish when you went fishing? No, I really haven't. Well, maybe that's why you don't like fishing. Uh, I, you know, some people say, you know, I just like to get out there and I just like to enjoy the weather. Not me. I want to catch fish. If I'm going to go in nice weather, I want to catch some fish. I have a buddy here. Uh, I like going fishing with him, James, right over in the corner because he knows how to catch fish. If he didn't know, uh, I'd still hang out with him, but I don't know if I have a good time. 
well, you know, you win some, lose some. Bring me to the fish, <laughs> right? Because uh, you have to learn how to fish. It, it has to be the, the right climate. I don't want to go. I don't want to go fishing if I know I'm not going to catch fish. I don't want to go fishing if I know that uh, I, I have the wrong bait, I have the wrong lure, I have the wrong uh, technique, I have the wrong gear. I want to go fishing and catch fish, and when I catch fish, it is like the joy of my life, right? It feels so good to bring that fish home, cook that fish. It just feels, it's just when, when you're like throwing your line in and you got one fish after another, I don't, it could be like four hours, it feels like 30 minutes. Y'all know what I'm talking about. If you know how to fish, bring your boy with you, okay? I love it. But if, if I always went fishing, never caught fish, I'd just be like, man, this is not for me. Did you know that's a lot of people in Christianity? They really don't see and get to the point where they are getting fulfilled with God because they're missing a main attribute that God is wanting to bring you to, and you will come to the conclusion that religion is not for you, our church is not for you, but it might be you're in the wrong climate. It might be you're fishing with the wrong thing. It might be that you don't have the right gear together, because I'm telling you, when you get the right stuff in line, you will love to go fishing. Jesus saw, yeah, give God a hand. Jesus saw some fishermen and said, I am going to make you fisher of men. I'm going to make you fisher of men. And how many of you know it hasn't changed? God wants us to have such a rhythm with him that every day we're not living for ourselves, we're fishing for men. Every day at our workplace, we're fishing for souls. You know what Jesus is doing right now? He's fishing. The Holy Spirit is fishing for souls. The Bible says that he leaves the 91 that think they have it all together and goes after the one that's, uh, that's far off. As a matter of fact, he gets close to the brokenhearted. If you are like down, you feel alone, you feel insecure, you might think, oh, God's with those people over there that have their hands lifted and seem like they have it all together. No, actually, God is drawing close to you right now because he has a heart of a father and he loves you. And what God wants in our life is to be the same way, that we're so full of God that our eyes are, are not on ourselves, but we're fishing for souls. God said, hey, follow me and I will make you fisher, a fisher of men. And I'm telling you, once you start seeing people change because of your life, you will get a new addiction. When you start seeing that the fruit of your life, not because you have it all together, not because you are a perfect Christian, not because you never mess up, but because you know the one that has all the answers, you become a pointer and people are attracted to that and God actually brings you to a place of fulfillment. So I want to give you something today because, you know, the Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God as righteousness and all things come. But a lot of times, you know, the kingdom has to do with order. Say order. There is order. And if we leave things out of order, sometimes we will find ourselves lacking. And so when we operate how his kingdom operates and not just the Western church, we will find ourselves fulfilled doing what God called us to do. Are y'all okay today? We see this, we see how his kingdom operates in John 13, 4 through 7. 
and then 12 through 17. Can we read this really quick? Now Jesus is having his last supper, and he's with his disciples. And during those days, you wore sandals, and you would get junk all over your feet, right? And so he's in this place, and there's no one to serve in this place to wash feet. Usually when you would go into an establishment, there would be somebody that would be there to serve and wash your feet and have your feet clean before you would ever eat. Listen to what Jesus does. May I remind you that this is God in the flesh. This is the King of kings, the Lord of lords. He answers to no one. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. He doesn't have to answer to anybody. Let's look how our king operates in his kingdom. Can we see that today? John 13, 4 through 7. So he got up from the mill because he saw there was all their feet were dirty, and he saw that like, like nobody was able to clean feet. Jesus, the ruler of it all, got up from his mill, took, took off his outer robe, and took a towel, wrapped it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' dirty feet. How many of you are glad that Jesus washed your feet? Any of you, I know, I know you, I'm looking around the room, we are not here today because we're perfect. We're here today because Jesus actually paid a price and loved us and cleaned us up. Anybody else in here? If you're here to come to a perfect church, you're at the wrong church. If you look around the room, you're going to see a lot of brokenness, and that's why it's fellowship. It's a bunch of fellows in the same ship that know that they have this one common denominator that we all need Jesus. Do you believe that? So, but when Jesus, so it says, he began to wash the disciples' dirty feet and dry them with his towel. But when Jesus got to Simon Peter, he objected and said, I can't let you wash my dirty feet, my Lord. And Jesus replied, you don't understand yet the meaning of what I'm doing. Listen, Jesus is trying to teach something. But soon it will be clear to you. After washing their feet, he put his robe on and returned into the place of the table. Listen to what he said. Do you understand what I just did? Jesus said. You've called me teacher and Lord, and you're right, for that's who I am. So if I am your teacher and Lord and have just washed your dirty feet, some of us have some dirty feet too. I would not want to do that. Wash your dirty feet, then you should follow the example that I have set for you and wash another's dirty feet. Now, do it for each other, what I have just done for you. I speak to you timeless truth. A servant is not superior to his master, and an apostle is never greater than the one who sent him. So now put into practice, say put into practice, what I have done for you. And you will experience a life of happiness enriched with untold blessings. If you put into practice what Jesus is teaching us, to serve one another, to begin to have the lens every single day, I'm here to love God and love people and serve people. You will have a life that is blessed, and God even says untold blessings. He says secret blessings that you don't even know about. I've got secret blessings for you when you make the decision to serve instead of be served. To work with Jesus is to demonstrate his love in serving others. 
Jesus said, if anybody desires to come after me, says in Matthew 16, 24, this is not a popular scripture, by the way. If anybody decides to come after me and be my disciple, you must deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me. People want to follow Jesus without denying themselves and picking up their cross. You can't skip the order. Here's the order. Deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me. In other words, it's going to be very hard to follow me if you're living in a selfie mindset. And so God gives us this principle of the kingdom. It's the secret of fulfillment, joy, peace, right standing with God. But we want to skip over this part and have a proverbial Santa Claus for our God. Come on, somebody. So I want to give you today three steps in servanthood. Three steps in servanthood. Can we talk about this? Step from supper to service. I love that Jesus literally stepped away from his supper to serve. He literally stepped away from his supper to serve. You know, I think it's funny. we, We get to be around a lot of people that you know, serve God, have big ministries and things like that. And I've seen all kinds of people come and go, but there is this one guy that I met that I I said, man, I need to be around this person more. He just spoke to thousands and thousands of people. He sat down. He finally was going to get his meal. And they had a, a young adult, a young kid that came over to him. He's about to chow down. He's about to chow down. And most people would be like, you know, like, hey, let's meet after or whatever. And, and, and he could tell that this person was hurting, and he put his meal aside. I saw it. We were eating. I was eating good, too. We were eating. He put his meal aside, this person with stature, this person with influence, this person that actually talked to presidents that day, put his meal aside and sat and listened and took time to serve Someone that could never give him anything. We live in a world that if I scratch your back, you scratch mine. God lives in a world that you love people even when they don't love you back. Step from the supper to the service, uh, to service. It literally means to deny yourself. Deny yourself. Like, I have to ask myself. Is this how I am with myself? I'm hungry. (laughs) I want to eat. I want to eat. I'm hungry. Give me my food. That's a lot how we are as Christians. No, it's about me. Church is about me. My work is about me. My family is about me. Everything's about me. Are we silverware people or are we salute people see when you are at a place when God has given everything for you it's easy to say not my will but your will be done when you're following somebody that has it all and literally in the garden sweat drops of blood and said not my will but your will Lord you You're either going to be a person of silverware saying, this is all for me, or you're going to be a person that says, no, God, it's not about me. Let your will be done for my life. It's a decision. It's a deny yourself decision. Matthew 16, 27, or 25 says, if you try to keep your life, we can look at it. 
For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. See, people are lost in who they are because they've never denied themselves for Jesus' great commission. Well, I'm trying to find myself. I'm on my journey. I'm trying to find who I am. But really, if you try to live for yourself, you will lose yourself. But when you deny yourself and pick up who he is, you'll actually find yourself. How many of you want to say, I want to believe in the word of God. I believe when I deny myself, I find myself. You say, well, I just, you know, I think if I do that, I won't have any. So, no. See, when you do this, God promises a rhythm in in your life. There's a grace in your life. We're scared that when we do this, we'll get out of sync and won't have a rhythm. But God will actually give you a grace to have a rhythm in your life because he is working with you. How many of you want a rhythm? A rhythm of joy, a rhythm of living light. See, have we fully come to submission to Jesus' commission? Submission is getting under Jesus' mission. We hate that word submission. We hate it as Americans. We hate that word submission because we want to be the independent operator, which is okay. Independence is good having pride for doing work, but how many of you know that it is submission to his commission that sets us free? Think of that word, co-mission. That's co-laborer. He literally wants to work with you in the mission that he has, and if you live for his mission, he will actually fulfill the desires of your heart. Come on, how many of you want to live for his mission? Well, what's his mission? What is his mission? We see it. He says it in Matthew 28, 19. He says, I want you to go to all the world and baptize people in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, making disciples, go into all the world. In other words, I want you to bring people in and show them the love of God and show them how to follow me. Is that really our mission? I have to really ask. Is that really our mission? Because... If not, everything we're doing is saying, I want to be fed. I need it for me. But how many of you know that there is grace and there is life when we say, this is our purpose. Our purpose is to win souls and make disciples. Jesus' purpose is my purpose. Look at your neighbor and say, Jesus' purpose is my purpose. I love this. Matthew 20, 28. For every, for even the Son of Man did not come to come expecting to be served, but to serve and give his life in exchange for the salvation of many. Even the Son of Man, the King, did not come to be served, but came to serve and give his life in exchange for the salvation of many. Number two. Take off garments and put on a towel. Deny yourself. Pick up your cross. Say, you got to pick it up. There's one thing to deny yourself. It's another thing to say, I'm going to, I'm going to pick up your cross. What is your cross? Your cross is actually your purpose. You have a purpose of winning souls and making disciples, but you are in a certain sphere that other people aren't in. So how many of you know that your purpose is people? 
You might have a different function. Your function might be a teacher. Your function might be a, a stay-at-home mom. But your purpose is the same when you've given your life to God. You're living for people. I love this scripture, Isaiah 40, 31. But those who wait on the Lord renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. How many of you want that? You want to mount up. You want to be strong. See, a lot of times we look at that word wait. We look at that word wait, and we think of it as wait. I need to wait on the Lord. Time is ticking. I need to wait on the Lord. But for some of us, this is the wait that it needs to be. I'm ready to wait on the Lord. Maybe what you're waiting for is going to come when you begin to wait on what he wants you to do for his purpose. Well, I'm just waiting on the Lord. No, God's waiting on you. God's waiting on you to say, hey, how can I serve? How can I serve you? Are you all okay today? See, this is when we begin to get with people and we actually, when we meet them, we're not meeting them to be seen. We're meeting them to see their needs. How many people just want to be seen? They come into a room and they want to be seen. This is my, this is my garment. I look good. I look nice. I want, to know, I want you to know all about me. Jesus did not come to be seen. He came to see those with needs. If you begin to live for the needs of others, you will have less needs. You will be so busy serving and not saying, well, you know, God said he's going to do it, but I really don't see the fruit in my life. No, it's deny yourself, pick up your cross, your purpose, and then follow him. Maybe what you're waiting for, God has right in front of you. Maybe the dreams that you're waiting for, God has right in front of you. We are blessed to be a blessing. We are not blessed to just be blessed and look at me and all my accolades and all my accumulation of stuff. Look at my title and my pedigree. No, we actually are blessed to be a blessing. But when we live to only be blessed, we'll find ourselves empty because we were not formed to do that. Are y'all okay today? So God is saying, I'm blessing you to be a good steward of what I'm blessing you. So if you begin to deny yourself, say, you know what, I'm going to pick up the purpose of God, and I'm going I'm to take up my cross. My purpose is people. I'm going to begin to steward. I'm going to be a good steward over what I have. Listen, your position that God has given you in that job is for this. Your influence that you have in this city is for this. That promotion that you got, those resources, the people that you know, is not like, well, I know these people, but I'm not going to give away my network. No, it's for this. Come on, the network that you have is not just for you. Your network is your net worth. I disagree. Your net worth is really how rich your soul is. Your network is really to do this. How often do we meet people and say, it's not about me, it's about you. And you're listening for needs. 
Do you know how many people need encouragement? You might talk to somebody and they've got everything. They've got the three-story house. They've got the set job, the picket fence, and a dog named Fido, the 401K. But how many of you know they have a need? And if you listen close enough, you will not write them off. You'll say, what's your need? People are one encouragement away turning towards Jesus. Can you give encouragement? Are you encouraged? Be encouraged. Encourage others. Come on, somebody. Listen, our families, our families, we're in that family so that we can serve. We're in that neighborhood so that we can serve. But this is what we do. This is what we do at times. You know what? I'm just going to, I'm just going to complain, and I'm really not getting, I'm really not getting what I need in my family. I'm not getting what I need from my spouse because it's about me. Let me encourage you. When we change, everything changes. When you start to say, what do they need? What do they need? I'm not getting what I want. I'm not getting what I want from my neighborhood, my community. I, well, when you put down this and you say, what do they need? Anyone can come up with problems, but not everybody is willing to deny themselves, pick up their cross, and follow him. God has given you, made you, a solution for your family, a solution for your neighborhood, a solution for your city. Everybody says, well, what is the city going to do for me? What's the city going to be? This city is this. We can see all the problems, but when's the last time we've actually served our city? I was talking to Tiffany uh, the other day, um, Tiffany and Clarence, and you know what? We have, a, we have a crime problem. Don't know if you've noticed. People are scared to go get gas. People are frightened. And there's a certain age bracket that this is happening. But you know what? We can say, you know what? I, I, I'm fed up with this. You know, our councilman needs to do more. It is the court system needs to do more. I love Tiffany and Clarence. They said, oh, it's this age bracket? I'm going after them. I'm starting a nonprofit. I'm going to love after those that don't feel love. I'm going to begin to reach out to them. I'm not going to say, what can you do for me? I don't feel safe. I'm going to say I'm a solution to the problem because God made me the light of the world. I got about 10 claps. That's good. How many of you know that this is not an easy message, but it's the truth that sets you free? It's the truth that sets you free. Clothe yourself in love. Clothe yourself in love. Start to say, what can I do? How can I serve you? Somebody is needing a, a they're really struggling in their job. Do you know somebody that will help them with their job? Somebody's really looking for a job, and you're like, I'll pray for you, but you actually know somebody that can help them get a job, but you don't ever think about it because it's about you. If all day you're thinking, you know what, my boss, my boss really needs to be here for me, but your boss actually has needs, and if you shine your light, God will actually make you the boss. But when we have a me, me, me mentality, we become empty, and we fall short and have the second best that God has for us. Well, my spouse, you don't know my spouse. They, you don't know their problem. When's the last time, men, you did the dishes? It got quiet in here, man. When's the last time you said, hey, how, can I help? Can I chop up some vegetables? Come on, somebody. I'm not getting many amens today. 
Because when we change, everything changes. Anybody can complain. I love that Jesus, Trey, come up and play so everybody thinks I'm about to close. I love that Jesus, he said, you know what? I'm getting from my supper to serve. I'm taking off my garments so that I can wash feet. And the third thing is this, that we actually serve each other. That we stoop down in humility and say, what can I do for you? If we all served each other, do you know how strong we would be? If we served each other, we would come into strength. This is what it's like to follow him. 1 John 3, 16 and 18 through 19. We, we know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. Anybody in here? We know what real love is because Jesus gave his life for us, so we ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. Our actions will show that we belong to the truth, so we will be confident when we stand before God. See, I love that Jesus got down and he washed feet. Many of us want to be the manager and point to other people to wash feet. We would, we would rather be the manager instead of getting our hands dirty. When's the last time you got hand your hands dirty with people's problems? Come on, somebody. He got down in your mess. Can we get down in other people's mess? It's easier to write people off. Well, they kind of deserve it. They're doing this. They're not listening. But when we get our hands dirty, we actually start smelling like sheep. And guess who else smells like sheep? Jesus. And we begin to work with him. The disciples were like, hey, who can sit next to you in the kingdom? I want to be the one that sits next to you. And he was like, you don't get it. He said, you know how the religious rulers, they point and they are in charge and they're whatever. He said, no, the first will become last and the last shall become first. We've always said it. If you're too big to serve, then you're too little to lead. When our King of kings and Lord of lords gets down and takes the place of service, then that's how our kingdom actually operates. I'm here to tell you maybe an unpopular message, but Christianity is not convenient. It's just not convenient. Well, I want to, I want to, you know, I want my cake and eat it too. I get it. It's not convenient. We want to make it convenient. But how many of you know love has sacrifice? And we don't sacrifice to get his love. We sacrifice because we already have his love. If you're engaged and that person doesn't know how to sacrifice, I would check that engagement. Because love equals sacrifice. God so loved the world that he gave. Love is not convenient. Christianity is not convenient. You know, 
Jesus is love. He is good. And we see these stories of him loving the prostitute and loving this person, and he is love. We never really talk about that point when he saw in the temple that people were trying to make convenience in the temple, and they were saying, the temple is for me, and they started to have exchanges in the temple. God, Jesus, Jesus, love, who is love, literally braids a whip and turns over tables and gets people out of the temple. Why? Because he said, my house is not to be convenient. My house is not to just get whatever you want. My house needs to be a house of prayer. You know what Jesus' prayer is right after he said that? He says, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Look all around you. People are hurting. People are dying. People need help. Yes, you got it all together, but you were born to love him and love others. And sometimes it's not convenient. That late night phone call of the person that's about to commit suicide is not convenient. The long hours of walking people out of divorce is not convenient. You stopping on the side of the road to help somebody that can't help you back is not convenient. But it's part of following Jesus. And when we follow Jesus, we will go into green pastures. We will go into peaceful streams because he will never take you somewhere where he's not planning on blessing you. He's saying if you deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow me, if you will have true life, I'm wondering if there's a few people that will just say, God doesn't need many. All he needed was 12. He took 12 people that did this and changed the world. God knows that we have people all around us that need help. You know what Jesus said? He said, I want my house to be full. I can't wait till next week because, you know, I can't preach to you and not do something. I'm literally getting kids over to my house next week, spending the night Saturday so I can just bring them to church. All my, all my, all my kids' friends, they're like, can some, such and such come over? Yes. Let's have a slumber party. It can be 20 people. I'm busting people here. Why? Because God wants his house full. Because what does it mean? It means that church is not just for me. It's to bring them in. And the people that you don't invite, God says, go to the highways and byways and bring them. Because healing is here. When you share your love and you share your love and you use your talent and you use your talent, it's literally the hands and feet of Jesus. And God begins to restore you. God has a purpose for you. And God's going to use your life to be significant because you don't live for yourself. You you living for the one that gave you breath. You're no longer saying, how can I get fed? But how can I get in submission to your mission? How can I serve you, Lord? You've been so good to me. How can I serve somebody else? How can I get down in the mud and the murk and do what you actually did for me? I don't know about you, but God did not find me when I had it all together. God found me when I was full of sin, full of darkness, full of selfishness, spitting on Jesus' face, but he said, will you deny yourself? Pick up your cross and follow me because I got in the middle of your mess. Are you willing to serve and get in the middle of somebody else's? Come on, man. It's what we're living for. Give me 12 people that will do that. 
I'm not here to have a good church. I don't care about thousands of people. I'm caring about a few that will say, I will deny myself, pick up my cross, and follow him. This is not about crowds. Jesus even shoot away the crowds. He said, eat my flesh and drink my blood. They said, I don't even know what you're talking about. They all left, but the disciples were there and said, you have the words of life. Following you gives me life. Where will I go? I'm asking you today, and it is a risk. Will you say today, I want to be a part of not just an organization or a community, but I want to be a part of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, an army that is ready to bring light into the darkness. Why do we have light and never go in darkness? It makes no sense. We want to gather everybody else together that has a light. Why don't we gather together and go in the darkness and do what God called us to do? That's what it is to follow Jesus. It's not convenient. It's sacrifice. But you have a burning desire when you fall in love with somebody that you can't get your mind off. It doesn't matter how much the ring costs. It doesn't matter how much the meal costs. You can't get them off of your mind. And God wants you to get in a rhythm with him that you cannot get him off your mind. And he starts to overfill you with passion and desire to love your neighbor as yourself. Come on, man. Come on. Come on. If you want that today, stand up right where you are. We're not here to be popular. We're here to be real. We're not here for the applause of men. We're here for the applause of heaven. Lord, how can we get our hands dirty? Because you saved me in the middle of my mess. And I say from here on out, Lord, if it weren't for you, where would I be? Let my life be a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, which is my reasonable service. It's reasonable. Come on, if he has has set you free, if he has done anything in your life, can you just lift your hands right where you are? Lord, thank you. Thank you. I wouldn't be where I am. I wouldn't have the family. I, would, I could be dead. I could be in jail. I could be anywhere. But God, you saved me. And you didn't save me because you knew that I would just follow you. You saved me because you loved me. And you said if I was the only person on the face of the earth, you would do it all over again because I'm your child. And he wants you to know today that whatever you're facing, whatever you're going through, he would die all over again to know, for you to know his love for you. When you start to have kids, you will move mountains, you will move whatever to break down anything to help your children. And you need to know today, God is not mad at you. He flipped over those tables to break down walls. What he wants to do right now, he wants to break down, he wants to flip the tables over in your heart right now. Flip the things in your heart right now that are keeping you away from him. He actually, he loves you so much, but he's a jealous God and he wants all of you and he's flipping tables over in your heart right now and saying, will you be a part of me? Will you work with me? Will you co-labor with me because I desire you? maybe you're here today and you say you know what I don't have a relationship with God I'm here to tell you you don't have to get it all together and come to God come to God and he'll get it all together he will get it together where you can't get together and we have a team here praying 
The Bible says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved. Either, either on, online or on, in this room, if you say, you know what, I, I need a relationship with Jesus, can you pray this after me? Say, Jesus, I turn away from my own way and I pick up you. I want a relationship with you. I believe that you died, that you rose again, and that you're here today. Today, I make you my Savior and my Lord. I want to follow you all the days of my life. With nobody looking around, I'm not going to embarrass you. If you said that prayer, can you just slip up your hand? I see your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand in the back. I see your hand. God bless you. You can put it down. Lord, we thank you for everybody that said that prayer. We thank you that the Bible says that one person that turns to you, all the heavens rejoice. And Lord, we rejoice today with those that said, I want to have my life in your hands. Those of you today that say, you know what? I'm ready. I'm ready. I don't know how to do it, but I'm ready to be a fisher of men. I'm ready to live my life to serve others. I'm ready to live my life to live because God's been so good to me. I'm ready to live my life, deny myself, pick up my cross, and follow him. I believe his word, and I believe not only will he fulfill me, but he's going to take me to the places that I've dreamed of because I'm putting his purpose first. If that's you today, just lift up your hand. I believe you're going to come into a grace. Come on, just lift up your hands. This is pretty much saying, I surrender. It's pretty much saying, God, have your way. God, you did so much to me. If you were able to stretch out your hands and be nailed to the cross, the least I can do is stretch out my arms and say, God, bring me where you want me to be. Lord, I thank you today that in your house today, they are hearing, we are hearing your voice say, son, daughter, feed my sheep. But you don't know how much I failed. You don't know about my own issues. You don't know about my own life. How am I able to feed your sheep? And God is saying the answer and the solution to overcoming is being focused on what I'm focused on. And when you begin to feed my sheep, you will feel yourself fed. And I'm going to bring you out of the things that you can't get out of on your own. Lord, I thank you today that we're making a decision to say we're not here for the crowd. And we're not here for the applause of many, but we're here for the applause of one. We live for you and you alone, even when it's hard, even when we don't feel like it, even when it's lonely, even when it's tough, even when we feel like we're going against the grain, we make a decision to be not just Christians, but disciples that follow you and say we deny ourselves, we pick up our cross, and we will follow you all the days of your life our life because you are worthy. Come on, if he's worthy, can you just say it right where you are? Lord, you're worthy of my life. Lord, you're worthy of my life. You're worthy of it all. Make me a good steward. You are worthy, God. We thank you, Lord, that you're doing this, not by power nor by might, but by your spirit in the mighty name of Jesus. Come on, if you believe it, can you give God a shout today? If you believe it, can you give God a hand today?